You are listening to Barely Emerging, a podcast by Haunted Cow Collective. This podcast is recorded on the land of the Ghana people, where sovereignty remains unceded. We extend our respect to elders past, present and emerging. Please don't do coke in the bathroom. (laughs) Universities out there, can you please put a course on uh, calculating Centrelink? to all you talented freelancers out there. Welcome to another episode of Barely Emerging. I'm Frances Cohen. And I'm Sadelle Mullen. There has been some long overdue developments in the world of Centrelink for the arts workers and creatives in general. There sure has. Back in April, Workforce Australia expanded their recognition of arts work, which means that for the first time, Centrelink will now accept certain creative activities as part of their mutual obligation requirements. So this is a move that was fought for by the National Association of the Visual Arts, or NAVA. And while it is a promising step forward, it is by no means a perfect one. So today, let's talk about Centrelink, specifically Centrelink's job seeker payment. So to understand the changes that have been made to the job seeker payment, let's have a look at job seeker on the whole. So the current job seeker model is the culmination of years and years of legislative reforms to the Australian welfare system. The first government regulated unemployment benefit was announced in 1944 and enacted in 1945. The benefit was born out of the Depression following World War II and was only designed to cover short periods of unemployment in what was then a male full-time workforce. It was purposefully kept at a low rate to avoid disincentives to work. It was kept that way until the 1970s when the Fraser government tightened eligibility requirements to prevent the abuse of the system and to increase work incentives. In 1976, waiting periods were applied to school leavers and the voluntarily unemployed before they could claim benefits. And again in 1979, the type and location of employment that beneficiaries were expected to accept was extended to any reasonable offer of work. In 1991, the Hawke government introduced the New Start allowance. New Start included a reform of the original work test where a claimant was required to show they were capable of working and were taking steps to employment. New Start's new activity test required participation in active job searches as well as participation in programs to improve job readiness and enrolment in subsidised employment programs. This was tightened again in 1997 when the Howard government introduced mutual obligations through its Work for the Dole program. The idea of mutual obligations was that welfare assistance to those of a working age should not be given without a return of responsibilities by the recipient. Work for the Dole activities were akin to community service, where claimants would undertake volunteer work in order to receive their benefits. The current job seeker payment requires someone to be 22 or older, an Australian citizen or permanent resident, and within a certain financial bracket, which is determined through a test of your income assets, also known as a means test. Once you have been accepted for JobSeeker, you are required to maintain your payment through mutual obligations as discussed before. This means you need to accrue a certain amount of points by engaging in job search activities such as job applications and interviews. Mutual obligations are required to keep receiving job seeker, youth allowance and single parenting payments. As well as mutual obligations, you are also required to report any income you receive from outside activities such as your commissioned or casual work. If this income exceeds a certain amount, your payment will be deducted for that 
pay cycle. So now that we know a little bit about JobSeeker, let's talk about the changes. So the motion that has just passed means that artists and other creatives can now list certain activities such as interviewing, getting a grant, trying to undertake you know, like calling a venue to inquire for a paid gig, things like that can count towards active job search now. Very exciting. I am on uh, my payments at the moment and the stress always came from how am I going to look for work when I'm already looking for artist work. Mm. Yeah, not having your work recognized as work by Centrelink was always really difficult because even to get a part-time work exemption, you needed to work for about 15 hours a week, Mm -hmm. which meant that if you were working under that, you had to be doing all like your full-time job searches, which took time away from your practice. And if you're working above the 15-hour limit, then you didn't have time to make for your practice. So it was kind of like either way you were losing. One of the flaws I can see with this uh, motion that has passed is that the interview points that they've listed can include calling a venue to inquire for a paid gig. But a lot of venues and galleries require the artists pay them to show their work. And then they take a commission on top of any work sold. So it's like, yeah, it it counts as like a job-seeking activity, And we do somewhat get paid for exhibitions if your work gets sold. Yeah, and that's a big if. And depending on like the percentage of commission that's taken, Mm -hmm. you know, that can drastically reduce any take-home cost that you have. So it's kind of like the cost-benefit ratio of doing that while on Centrelink is so skewed. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think also they've listed that making your artwork doesn't actually count for points. No. It's the the things around that. So you can put a lot of time and effort into grant writing and a lot of places will say that you shouldn't hinge your whole practice on grants. Yep. You know, but that's what they're putting down as counting as a mutual benefit, yes. um, a mutual obligation, sorry. But that making the actual work to support your career doesn't count, which seems so weird to me. Very weird because the whole time that you are looking for grants and all that sort of stuff doesn't equal to the amount of time that it takes for you to make the work. Yeah. And, you know, if you're getting a grant or if you're applying for like an exhibition or even like a a tutorial or like a workshop because I think they also count Mm -hmm. towards like mutual benefit I keep saying mutual benefit mutual obligation yeah if you're taking all of your time doing that kind of stuff and you're still trying to make your work on the fringe of all these other obligations then you don't have the work to show for the grant or for the exhibition or for the workshop doesn't make a lot of sense. Sometimes you do have historical work that you can put in, but if you are making for an exhibition or for a grant, it's expected that you are doing new work most of the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Nava's actually been campaigning for an abolition of mutual obligations on the whole, which Mm -hmm. I think is much better. Yeah. Just because mutual obligations are just inherently flawed. Mm -hmm. You know, like they, the way they stand at the moment, they require a person to apply for any job available and they must take the first one that's offered to them. It doesn't matter how, you know, unreasonable it might be or, Mm -hmm. you know, not Mm -hmm. viable it might be. It's like, if you get it, you need to take it. So this leads to a lot of professionals being employed outside of their field. Um, It also leads to low job satisfaction and a higher employment turnaround. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And, you know, like unemployment duration reduces your chance of reemployment. So if you get kind of thrown into a job that you're not keen on and you leave it because it's, you know, you're not happy and it's not serving you, it's not, you know, like you need to travel a lot for it. It doesn't work with, you know, any hours, like, you know, parenting obligations that you may have, then you're going to spend more time unemployed, you know? I think it's also when it comes to mutual obligations, they were predicated on the fact that people were deserving or undeserving. Mm. So when it comes to arts work, we were always seen as undeserving. Yeah. 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 So when it comes to all of these hoops that you have to jump through as an artist or as someone under the poverty line, Mm -hmm. you are always thought of as someone who isn't contributing to society when we all know that arts work does contribute to society yeah like the amount of times that people ask what do you do for money Mm. when you say that you're an artist Mm. or (laughs) you know when you say oh I'm an artist and then they start telling you about oh yeah they're you know, like they did a, a painting workshop or their niece does watercolours or something and you're yeah. like, okay, yeah, cool. Like just invalidate yeah. my entire career. Yeah. So I think Centrelink for a long time had that kind of hobbyist mindset oh, when it yes. came to the arts as well. You know, like, oh, you're so lucky to be able to pursue your hobby as a career <laughs> and it's like, no, nah, this isn't my hobby, man. One of the, the last times that I went into uh, Centrelink, one of the workers had told me that they're not here to ruin our dreams. They're not here to squash dreams. But maybe you should look for a different work for your yeah. other work. But you can still do your artwork on the side as like, you know, a hobby. <laughs> yeah, like the huge butt. Yeah, yeah. When at that point um, I had lined up uh, three exhibitions yep. for that year, so yep. I was doing a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm also a single parent, if anyone um, doesn't know. So I have got a young child. I have exhibitions, making new work for all of those exhibitions, I think, just for one. There were also prizes that I had gone into. And um, we were also starting up our collective. So, mm-hmm. so many balls juggling in the air. And I know that is a common thing for all artists because of what we're looking at here is yeah. the way that we are seen in society as, you know, fanciful little people that are doing <laughs> their yeah, hobbies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that idea of, um, oh, okay, so what's your day job? You know, it's like... Yeah, but what do you do? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you. there's a whole other argument to be had about whether art is uh, a luxury or not. Mm. That's, a, that's a whole other topic for a whole other time. But it's just there's no other profession where people are, are treated like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just like if someone has a, a passion for, like, you know, crime shows and forensic pathology, <laughs> if they were going to be a detective, someone wouldn't be like, oh, it's so nice that you get to indulge your hobby <laughs> yeah. as a career. Yeah. It's like, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it is funny about um, thinking about the side of, like, what art constitutes something that people validate and what art isn't. So, you know, you've got your contemporary and a little bit more conceptual work. And then you have your 
obviously people are going to buy and be able to put up into their houses like vases and you've got some paintings and collector some work, yeah. collector work and all that yeah. sort of stuff. So things that aren't, you know, meant that sometimes they are meant to provoke thought, but when it's fully conceptual, when it is something that is heavily thought provoking, it's not necessarily going to be bought in a gallery. Mm. So when we're looking at this idea that going for an exhibition means that you are going to get money from it, conceptual artists aren't looking for that. Mm. And I know that's something that I have definitely struggled in the fact of a lot of my artworks. I know I'm not going to have anyone lining up around the corner to buy them. Yeah. Um, they are not producible in the sense of I can't make doubles of them. They're not prints. They're, yeah. they're completely individual works. Um, and also who wants to take my hair home? Why would I want you to have my hair in your house? That's yeah, kind of a kooky. Yeah, someone wants to buy your hair. You're yeah. kind of wondering why they want to buy your hair. Someone has bought my hair. Oh, that's creepy. No, that's creepy. <laughs> I don't know. Shout out to that person. Um, thank you for your money. <laughs> thank you for indulging your hobby. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the when it comes to these sort of guidelines, I do wonder how that's going to affect new work coming through because if we are looking for things that are for money making, then you're going to get work that is not as deep. Mm. Nava have also campaigned to push for an averaging process for artist fees and awards like you would see in any other workforce, as current sufficient work standards disadvantage those who are underpaid for their services. So the sufficient work test that Workforce Australia currently have on their website has this little example here. And it is someone called Lillian. Hello, Lillian. Hello, Lillian. (laughs) Has been commissioned to produce a painting. They paid her $400 and it took her 25 hours to complete the painting over a month. Mm -hmm. So this means that Lillian earned $16 per hour, which is below the national minimum wage of $21.38 per hour. So Lillian needs to use the sufficient work test to work out how many hours of work she can report to meet her points target for her mutual obligations. Mm -hmm. So if paid work is worth five points for five hours and is rounded up to the nearest five-hour mark, because Lillian's equivalent hours are under the national minimum wage, she needs to round her hours down from 25 hours of work to 18.7 hours for the reporting period in order to average it out. So this means that according to Workforce Australia, because Lillian was underpaid from her commissionary, she now has to shave off like five, five no, hours, five, six hours of work. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. sorry. I, <laughs> no. Literally, what other workforce would have that? Yeah. It's like, oh, sorry, I know that you worked twice as hard for twice as long, but we're only going to pay you what the national average is. And yeah. it's like, um, okay. Yeah. And the fact that she was paid under. Yeah. So, yeah, that's another thing that Nava are campaigning for because, like, yeah, it, it is great that artists can be recognized as undertaking actual work according to <coughs> Centrelink. Yes. But you need to pay them the minimum wage. Yeah. You can't get away with paying them pennies. They're, yeah. And then and they're not saying that like, hey, people, you need to start paying your artists better. They're saying, mm. hey, artists, how about <laughs> take down how many hours you kind of did mm. so that we can pay you less. I don't know. <laughs> it's crazy. It's as we've said before, this is a step, but it's kind of, you know. It's a, it's a step, but it's a lateral one. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, they 
we can now report work, but it doesn't mean that the work that we report is going to be any more stable yep. than it was. Yep. You know, I think that's why, you know, at least it's been my experience that a lot of artists now use uni degrees as a way to mm. bypass job seeker completely. Yeah. You know, because it's like undertaking a, you know, a two, three, four year degree offers a period of much more stability than yes. having to report your income every week, especially when that income is unfair or unstable, you mm-hmm. know, like getting paid under minimum wage because, you know, you're an artist mm. and you, it's your mm. passion. <laughs> Working for exposure, another oh. another fantastic one. I would love to know if we can report mm. all of our exposure to oh, Centrelink. yes. No, if, if we do that, how, how Centrelink payments will be. <laughs> Um, <laughs> through the roof. Oh, yes. Income and assets test. It's like, oh, but I've got a bank of exposure. Oh, hello. So much exposure. <laughs> Can I put down all of my friends' tattoos that I've designed for mm-hmm. free as well? Mm. Love that. Mm. But yeah, I mean, shit like this is why we feel like we've had to bypass Centrelink, you know, because yeah. it's continuing study. It's a way to keep your focus within your field mm-hmm. and still be recognized for your work. You mm-hmm. know, it's like actually doing the work, actually making the work, actually, or no, actually selling the work. Yeah. Like, it counts if you sell it. It doesn't count if you make it. Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, yes. This nice is something big that loophole. I, oh, I love this one. So, yeah. uh, back when we weren't able to use our work activities or whatever they're, mm. they're loving to call it at the moment, we weren't able to put them as our activities. Mm-hmm. So we had to look for jobs that were outside of our workforce. But mm-hmm. anytime you won a prize, anytime you sold any work, anytime there was money involved, you still had to report it. Yeah. And it's like this this didn't come out of thin air. I yeah. didn't just happen upon some money on the road and go, <laughs> art career, love it. Yeah. This is hard hours that I have put into to get scraps of money. It's great to get a prize. It's great to get that recognition for your work. And it's it's great to have that money at the end. But the stress of mm. getting a prize and mm. thinking, how do I tell Centrelink that this $5,000 that I have gotten isn't something that I will get again? Yeah. This is a one-off payment. They What they do is they spread it out over a couple of weeks that money isn't going to be spread out in a couple of weeks i've got bills to pay yeah yeah i i am spending that five thousand dollars on either my next art project or my daughter yeah and depending on the kind of uh prize or grant that you're given like you need to acquit it it Mm. needs to be for other work so if you need to report this income to centrelink they're like, okay, well, you don't get any payments for this fortnight because you've made like $5,000 in a week. Yeah, and you go, and you're oh, like, oh, 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 can I eat my materials? <laughs> yeah, you're like, okay, but, you know, it's for uh, like kiln hire. It's yeah. for, you yeah. know, new work and it's for mounting an exhibition like interstate. It's like they counted it as work if you got paid for it. Oh, yes. Oof. So I think, yeah, I think keeping within the study, you know, it's like they recognize study. They don't recognize the actual profession. Exactly. We say, we say that, I mean... Again, they're taking steps. Give give them credit where credit's due, no matter how small uh, the credit yeah. might be. But no, it's it is so common for people as uh, like there's there's people that have gone through their schooling and they go into uni, mm-hmm. and then the idea of 
people being supported by parents. So they've mm-hmm. gone into uni and that's, that's not just in arts work. That's in, um, uni degrees and, and Oz study oh, yeah, and Nepo all that sort of stuff. Everywhere for sure. Yes. Yes. They all expect that people have circumstances where they can stay home with their parents at age 18 when they're going into uni. So when it comes to people who are returning students or um, people who have unfortunate circumstances but still really want to get into uni and get their degrees because at this point everyone needs a degree to work mm-hmm. even for the what what do you call it when it's just a entrance job yeah even yep. entrance jobs are starting to get like but what experience do you have and I'm like sorry this is an entrance job and I need this for experience yeah yeah so yeah love it yeah. Uni is a safe little haven, but then when it comes to coming out of uni, the anxiety. Mm. Oh my god, the anxiety. Mm-hmm. So I went into honors. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And like you say, like it just it feels like even in professions where you don't need a degree, you feel like you need a degree. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I don't think I've ever heard of an instance where a gallery has seen someone's work and been like, oh, fuck, this is absolutely incredible work. Mm-hmm. Oh, but they don't have an arts degree. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Mm, no, nah, we can't. We can't do it. Like that doesn't happen. But, but it's a super extraneous circumstance if people can just crack into the art world, I suppose, without mm. those connections that come from the institutions. Mm. And a lot of the time, you know, people go to uni because it's just like, okay, well, fuck, I want to do this thing for a career, but... I don't know how to kind of make it on my own and mm-hmm. I need money. So I'm going to go to uni and mm-hmm. get, you know, like study allowance and and do this thing. But, you know, like stability in art jobs is hard, which is why so many people in the arts go into uni because, yeah, you can make it as an exhibition artist, but even a lot of exhibition artists behind the scenes, they have curation degrees or design degrees mm-hmm. or like associate professor degrees, or <laughs> professor, professor degrees, like other professions and degrees, they have a clear employment outcome, mm-hmm. you know, like lawyer, teacher, etc. Oh, but hang on. In an arts degree, you can teach. <laughs> <laughs> if there's opportunities. Mm. 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 Talk about the uni merger. It's like, oh, anyway, that's a whole other episode. But yeah, art, art opportunities, they're self-perpetuated. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time they're outsider funded unless yes. you are like very lucky, which is yeah. where, you know, like the grants and stuff come in. But then like the need to be on Centrelink to provide financial support between opportunities is seen, you know, it's still, it feels like a bludger move almost. Mm, mm. You know, if you are relying on Centrelink between these opportunities, there is this whole other stigma around that. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, at least now we can report these work unstable periods <laughs> between opportunities. They can still be kind of reported to Centrelink. So it does kind of validate them in some way but it still, still doesn't work feel to go. great yeah, yeah yeah no on i completely understand that feeling of like the doll bludger move oh yeah mm. yeah single uh-huh. parenting has had mm-hmm. such a stigma yeah. on it when yeah. it comes to sense link there's a loop that um i know other artists and other single mothers that they don't even have to be artists but there was always a loop between um single parenting and how many hours you do of either your uni or mm-hmm. your work mm-hmm. that you had to you say hey I can get an exemption you mm-hmm. go to your job provider and you say I'm now doing my uni degree I am now working part time and they say Excellent. Get an exemption from Centrelink. 
sent you call Centrelink and Centrelink say, oh, sorry, you need to um, get that with your job provider and then we <laughs> yeah. can put it through. Yeah. And then you go to your job provider and they say, no, actually it's Centrelink's job. And the loop goes on and on. So the same thing happened to me when I, you know, I've just stopped being on JobSeeker and I'm way poorer for it. Mm-hmm. But the headache that I no longer have having to deal <sighs> with that shit because to like, cause I like work part time, you know, so it's like, they'd want me to look for full-time work mm. and I'm like, well, I have part-time work. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, but you need full-time work. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but I have part-time work, <laughs> you know, and, and the, you know, the, the song goes on and on. Like I tried to get a part-time exemption because I was working above 15 hours a week. I was working about 20 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is what I can feasibly do because I have another job you know Mm -hmm. it's like i i'm an artist on top of this Mm -hmm. if i work full-time hours i'm going to be stretched so thin Mm -hmm. trying to work it around it your art career will become a hobby my art career will become a hobby exactly so trying to get like a part-time exemption from that and then they were like oh well you know you need to call centrelink and they will do it (laughs) and then i called centrelink and they were like your job provider needs to do that Mm -hmm. so i called my job provider and they were like oh you have a job great and they just took me off my benefits (laughs) so then i was just like all right fuck it well that chapter's done because i'm like i don't want to have to deal with this again yes i don't want to have to you know keep pushing back to a job provider that I have sufficient enough work that I can get a balance between sustaining myself and paying rent Mm -hmm. and pursuing my actual career yes you know and they just were like you're either working full-time or you're teaching art. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no in between, oh, yes. you know. So very, very similar circumstance in the last time. So I ended up getting a job. Mm. It was not quite part-time hours. It mm. was 12 hours mm-hmm. instead of the mm-hmm. 15. So I went to Centrelink, no, I don't want to deal with you anymore. I'm just going to deal with these 12 yeah. hours upwards because I was a contract worker. Yeah. Ooh, contract work in the arts. Oh, uh, yeah. That's that's a thing too. So because I was a contractor, my pay was never stable. Mm. I could work more. I could work less. If I did not work, I did not get the hours. I did not get the sick leave. I, again, also I have a daughter. She gets sick. I go on carer's leave. Don't have that. I did get superannuation if you are a contractor you need to make sure that your employer or the person who is taking your contract does give you superannuation. If they are not, they are not doing the right thing. But I got to the point where I was like, I would rather be living paycheck to paycheck than being on Centrelink at this point. And then I was forced into it. But then the single parenting payment came back on the 20th of September of this Mm. year. So I went... I am struggling to the point where I sometimes do not have food. And, oh, oh, am I a starving artist? Ooh. Oh, oh, the trope. The trope is here, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. So I ended up going back on to Centrelink and now this points has come back in. So what this points system does for me is, and the addition of arts work as being seen as work, I can now go for grants and put that as my job seeker thing for a period. The stress 
is minimised, but it is still there. Yeah, uh, Workforce Australia have brought out a an actual fact sheet mm. for doing a regular or freelance work to meet your mutual obligations. So here are some examples of things they consider a regular or freelance work. To so, all the talented freelancers out there. <laughs> <laughs> So freelance photographer, freelance designer, writer, visual artist, musician or music industry worker, actor or screen industry worker, business owner who runs a market stall, tutor or instructor or sports coach or trainer. I love how specific that business owner who runs a market stall because like you know who that's directed at. (laughs) Now, if you're an online business owner working from your living room, get fucked. You need a market (laughs) stall. Otherwise, no dice. Um, Are you doing the door knocking? Are you going around (laughs) and, um, you know, beating the... Are you cold calling people? Then you're not doing enough. Types of job searches that count towards your points target are applying for a grant, contacting the owner of a local venue for a music gig, submitting an application or portfolio for a creative arts project, approaching a publisher with a new manuscript to publish, contacting a potential client who has posted an ad for some one-off web design work. They also have a guideline for activities that count as an interview. So an audition for a local paid production, auditioning for a paid position in a local band. Try and find any local band where it's a paid position. Yeah. um, You pay to play. My mm -hmm, God. mm -hmm. Meeting with a publisher to discuss your new manuscript, dare to dream. Mm -hmm. Working with a client to develop or secure a commissioned artwork, dare to dream, point Mm -hmm. two. Having a Zoom meeting with a potential client for your small business to discuss the services you offer. That that one's okay, but that one's like fine. <laughs> if, you, if you look at like meeting with a publisher to discuss your manuscript or you know vice versa commissioned work artwork. Um, I'm sorry, but like, why doesn't the making of the book or writing of the book or making of the thing, but the client meeting is something. Yeah, well, this is counting towards an interview. So, you know, there's, they're kind of saying that, you know, attending an interview will earn you 25 points towards your points target mm-hmm. because you're meeting with an employer or a client to show them that you can do the role, you know, mm-hmm. so that is a similar thing to a job interview. So I guess yeah. that that's I, kind I, of yeah. why they are counting it. I understand all of that, but it's like you got to this point because you had to do the work beforehand and that's that's kind of like the difference between a job interview and when you're working in the the art sector it's like you're getting that interview to then do paid work whereas it's the flip for us we have done the work and now we're like hey can you please pay me for this mm-hmm. so you know as as we've talked about before like whenever it comes to the actual creative work that we do where's our little Hey, can we put a couple of hours? No, you can't. Yeah, yeah. Because you're paid under. (laughs) I think what is good about this change, though, is that whereas previously you had to apply for, like, any job listing that was there, if you you could get to it and you could reasonably get it, you needed to apply for it and you had to take it. Yeah. That's still true to an extent, but you can apply for any kind of work that you want to do now. And this Mm -hmm. includes non-ongoing opportunities. Mm -hmm. So that is, you know, applying for a grant, local gig, application or portfolio for an arts project, like publishing a manuscript, that all counts towards your job search now, which is uh, a great step forward, I think. Mm -hmm. Which should have been, you know, 
beforehand, but it is now. It should have been beforehand, but yeah, they were very, very anti having people with any kind of support back in the day, you know. Um, Job searches that count towards your monthly point target include contacting a potential employer about any potential suitable paid work opportunity. So that is a good step forward too. So, you know, earning five points for this kind of job search in the same way you could for handing in a resume or Mm -hmm. doing a job application online. This this is the the section that I'm like, yes, good, perfect, love it. Yeah, like applying applying for a grant. It, yeah, it is the same as doing a job application it because is, you're yeah. submitting a portfolio, you're submitting an idea, and you're being like, "Hey, please give me an opportunity so I can put some food in my fucking pantry." I mean, I think even I've I've done job searches before, and I have done grants applications and applications for um, exhibitions and all that sort of stuff. The amount of time and effort you put into going for an exhibition or going for a grant is 10 times more than copy and pasting your resume to a job search. So like I would love it if it was like times two job applications for an application to exhibit Mm. or an application to grant or an application. Like I I would say that the the prize would be on par, like applying for a prize Mm. would be on par with applying for a job, a normal Mm. normies job. (laughs) Well, it would actually be more than that because certain art prizes mean that you need to pay to enter it. Oh, yes, sorry. Yeah, you know, it's like... Let's take that back. (laughs) Yeah, there's, you know, an art prize I entered earlier in the year and didn't get into. Mm. It was $75 just to apply for that opportunity. So that was $75 for me to chuck some JPEGs into the ring and for the judges to be like, "Mm, no. Mm, $75 lotto ticket. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like even like sometimes like applying for tertiary education, you know, you need to put in like a $50 application fee. It's like, can you imagine if just, I keep going back to if any other field had that, Mm. you know, like, and they maybe do, I don't know everything about every kind of employment sector, but putting down, you know, like applying for opportunities and stuff, it's all well and good on paper, but in the arts, you have to pay for a lot of those. And if you, are unaware you have to pay galleries yeah if you want to show your work most galleries you have to pay a pretty big fee compared like so you're hiring the gallery space pretty much yeah yeah it's like again i i think the people that have written this it's like they've done so in consultation because obviously nava has campaigned very hard and Mm -hmm. you know they've listened to them but not enough to actually realize the realities a lot of artists face you know it's like it's all well and good to apply for a a gallery opportunity but the vast majority of those opportunities are self-perpetuated like Mm -hmm. like you just said you need to rent the gallery space Mm -hmm. you need to uh apply for put like a down payment down on it you know (laughs) They're like, yeah, you need to like pay higher fees, you need to pay insurance, you need to pay all this other stuff. And then at the end of it, you know, most galleries will take a commission from you. Yep. So it's not just a case of, oh, I'm going to find a room, stick my work in it, get paid for all my artwork. It's like you're you're paying to play. And yep. I don't think uh, Centrelink realizes that. And this is something that is annoying. Galleries rely on artists. Yeah. So they rely on us to put work out there, but they're still taking money from us and making us artists feel reliant on them. Yeah, which I think goes higher above them as well because a lot of art galleries, unless they're like government funded, 
in which case they usually have a kind of agenda that they need to work to. Like, mm-hmm. you know, their their funding bodies won't support certain kinds of work. So they have to kind of cater to those. So anyone outside of that, they need to go through like an artist-run initiative or, mm-hmm. you know, just like an independent gallery where they need artists to pay to show their work there to stay open. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and, and those artist-run initiatives amazing love them but how can they how can they make a business model yeah exactly it it it's it's hard out there fellas it's very hard out there so starting a job and how to report your work when it is irregular and freelance so if you are offered and accept any suitable paid work you can earn 50 points towards your point target for your reporting period so for some context the reporting period usually is to 100 points i believe it does vary from circumstance to circumstance. So in my circumstance, because I'm a full-time carer, I only have to do 15 points. Yeah. If you have a part-time exemption, I think it was like 70 points or something like that. So you can earn 50 points towards your point target if you get any paid work. That includes contract work and non-ongoing opportunities, like photographing a wedding or playing a music set in a local venue. So that is good, but this has the stipulation of Depending on how you're paid, you may need to calculate how many points are actually counted towards your target under the sufficient work test. So this is where a uh, mandate for artist fees, the same way that you would mandate anything else, is so important. And it's something that Nava has been pushing for because if your hourly rate of pay for these opportunities is below minimum wage – you can only report the equivalent hours you worked based on your income. So you would need to calculate your hourly rate, what the minimum wage is, and then you would need to like even it out accordingly. Mm -hmm. So uh, universities out there, can you please put a course on uh, calculating (laughs) Centrelink? Uh, Because now we're all going to have to have calculus under our belts as another skill that artists have to have. So, I mean, baby steps, I suppose, but still, but still. Them, them's first steps, not baby steps. (laughs) Yeah, that's a belly crawl. Yeah. (laughs) You can only butt scooch before you can crawl. (laughs) So as well as assistance with uh, irregular and freelance work, they are now offering uh, self-employment assistance. So this is small business support for Talented freelancers and creative professionals. Talented freelancers. Put that on my resume, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I want to know what their their criterion for being a talented freelancer is. Yes, yes. I want to know if there's some kind of standardized means test that you'd need to do to be a talented freelancer. Mm, It's an obstacle course Mm. um, where you have like a canvas and you have like a clay table and how many skills can you do? How many skills can Mm. you balance? So under this, if you have a business idea or an existing business, you may be eligible to access free support from Workforce Australia, which is called self-employment assistance. This used to be called NICE. I know that's it's N-I-E-S or N-E-I-S. can't remember. This was something that you would uh, request from your job 
provider um, and you would go in and it would be about how, and it wouldn't just be for talented freelancers. Talented freelancers. It would just be for anyone wanting self-employment assistance. This is probably the same. But when it comes to any talented freelancers, when we were in the last iteration of this, it was very business focused. So Mm. I did go through this and I bowed out because I had a exhibition that I needed to work towards and this was taking too much time. So in this one, it was very much how are you going to get money to start your business? So Mm -hmm. a lot of artists, they rely on grants. Mm -hmm. Um, They said don't rely on any family stuff because Mm -hmm. then you owe your family and they have kind of a bit of a hand on what you're doing. So that was always you can, but it's not advisable. They also wanted to know your business model. So how are you going to make money from this? Is it going to be viable to Mm -hmm. make, you know, whatever your product is Mm -hmm. to get the money from it? They wanted to know... And a lot of the business plan and the the lady that I had, she was lovely, but she always said that artists struggle under this because they are working towards their art practice. Mm -hmm. They're not working towards KPIs. They're not working Mm -hmm. towards this as, and if you do end up getting into something where she had gotten into, she was a ceramic um, artist at one point and she made something that did well. She was able to sell to shops, but she was constantly making these things all the time. And we know that that's death of creativity when you're having to make the same thing over and over and over again. Death of creativity and also... Death of your mind. (laughs) Yeah, no, death of creativity, but also uh, if you are needing to make this over and over and over again to generate profit... The making doesn't count. (laughs) It's not a mutual obligation. Exactly. So when I went into this, I definitely saw what she was talking about when it came to um, having to do a business model, having to work out if I'm going to be doing workshops, if I'm going to be using my intellectual knowledge to do my self-employment business model, Mm. um, then I would need a space. Getting that space meant I needed money. Getting that money meant I needed either a grant or a family member or, you know, a loan, a bank loan. No way were they going to give me a loan. (laughs) So there's all of these things. And then, you know, you you have to look at Renew Australia and all these different Mm. sorts of things. I ended up bowing out and I do think that that was a very similar course for a lot of artists who went into the NICE program. Now they have a new one and I wonder if it's very similar or if they've made some changes. I feel like it is very similar. I think a lot of these like self-employment assistance kind of programs, they functionally are very good for people that are more like business driven. Yes. Um, Still, you can be... uh, very business driven as a creative uh, freelancer, yeah. you know, like um, who have like a photography business or people who are, you know, like freelance journalists and things like that, like can work very well to a business model. If you're working in utility. So yeah, if, if you're, you're working were, in utility, yeah, 100%. if you're doing art sort of creative stuff, but you're doing plates, yeah. cups, yeah. jugs, those sorts of things that a lot yeah. of people will take on into their homes. Yeah. And I mean, artists since 
you know, time immemorial have subsidized their practice with commission work. Yeah. You know, like even like the great portrait artists of antiquity, a lot of those portraits were just commissioned work, you know. There's got to be a side hustle. There's got to be a side hustle, absolutely. So this self-employment assistance, it is run by Workforce Australia. Um, It helps you make a business plan that sets you on a path to financial independence while remaining independent with flexible working and creative conditions. I will say the uh, flexible working and creative conditions should come with a huge caveat to that. <laughs> yeah. You know, flexible working and creative conditions, as long as you meet all of the requirements of this course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, that that would be super interesting what the their, their idea of flexible working and creative mm. cre- conditions are because already we can see in the fact sheet of previous that the creative conditions weren't taken into account because Lillian, dear Lillian, had to take off five hours of her creative conditions. Self-employment assistance can help talented Australians, just talented, Mm, can help mm -hmm. talented Australians in the cultural and creative sectors, including irregular or project-based and freelance workers, by turning their creativity and skills into an income through starting and running a small business. I mean... Maybe it's just the way I'm reading it, but bit bit patronizing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anytime anyone in talented any of these <laughs> use talented Australians, it's talented. just it, it feels like their way of saying, "Hey, you guys mean something. You're so talented." But also, Good by job, you. by turning their creativity and skills into an income, it's like, yeah, it's a job queen. <laughs> you know, it's just like, yeah, turn your creativity and skills into an income. It's just like. That's literally anyone who who writes, who makes movies, who does anything. But because it's like a small business, it just feels very patronizing. And I'm, I'm sorry, but whenever anyone goes into a uni degree, they are using their skills, skills. to make income. Exactly. So why are we now talented and creative <laughs> just yeah. because we're in the creative field? I mean, this, this just smacks of uh, being nice, you know, or like, <laughs> you know, um, look like, we're doing you guys such a favor. And, you know, look, any change is better than no change. So, I mean, a lot of this is like, you know, yeah, good. It, it wasn't there in the 80s. It wasn't there in the 90s. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's good to acknowledge little steps that have been made while still kind of acknowledging that it's a little step. It's a tiny baby butt scooch. So mutual obligation requirements, if you're participating in the Workforce Australia program, is 25 points per week by participating in the program's small business trading with no minimum job search or 20 points per week for participating in a workshop. So under this model, you won't have mutual obligation requirements if you undertake the small business coaching. So you don't need to receive income support to access self-employment assistance. Mm -hmm. So this is like we were saying before, how creatives would go into university Mm -hmm. to skirt Centrelink requirements. This is going to be the the same sort of thing for people. They're going to go into it thinking, cool, I can do this instead of having the stress of an anxiety of dealing with the points-based system. And, you know, the arts is a business, you know, first and foremost. I mean, like, in order to sustain any practice, there does need to be a business element to it. Mm -hmm. So I do understand this. I do get it. I think just wanting to be able to skirt through life breezily on the coattails of just your exhibition work alone is a very minuscule percentile of reality. So I do understand this, but it is just having 
Yeah, I think having one model for all creatives, Mm. you know, it definitely does benefit some more than others. Definitely, yes. So the self-employment assistance that is available are six different services that you can access at different times. Getting help when you need, when you need it. Thanks, mum. Thanks, mum. Thanks, mummy. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) So the self-employment assistance services that are available are exploring self-employment workshops, small business training, business plan development, business advice sessions, business health checks, question Mm. mark, question mark, small business coaching. Mm. Okay. So hang on. Business, business health checks. I think that might be like is your business going south? I don't think it means like, how's your body going? (laughs) Oh, see, I thought, you know, like when workers have to take like mandatory health checks to see like if they're on drugs or have a heart murmur. I thought it was just like that. That's where I went. But no, 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 no. Thinking about that again, I think business health checks is like, is about your actual business health. What's like the viability of your business? Exactly. Right. So the small business coaching participants can receive a 330 GST inclusive reimbursement to assist with your eligible business costs. And if you're eligible, you can also receive a self-employment allowance for up to 39 weeks and self-employment rental assistance for up to 26 weeks. Mm -hmm. So that's not too bad. That was very similar to the NICE program. Once you finish the program, you would be put on to a self-employment payment, Mm. but you have to get through the whole course first. Mm -hmm. And then you get put onto this payment. You don't have to worry about Centrelink for a while. And I think that's, that's that link between going from someone who's on Centrelink payments Mm -hmm. to starting up your self-employment okay yeah this this feels like it has um overhangs from work for the doll Mm. where you would need to undertake you know like a cert three in barista studies or some shit in order to keep your payment so it's kind of feeling like you don't have to be getting uh income support to access these assistances but they will subsidize you pretty yeah. much. Yeah. 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 So to be eligible for self-employment assistance, you must be at least 15 years of age or 18 years of age for the small business coaching. You need to be permitted by law to work in Australia, excluding working holiday and student visas, mm-hmm. and not be an undischarged bankrupt. Mm-hmm. So if you've already had a business and it's gone tits up, you're fucked. You can't, <laughs> yeah, you can't get you, any assistance from us, you're guys. You're on the dole, baby. You're on the dole, baby. <laughs> yep. Or get your own job. <laughs> so if, if you've already had a small business and it failed, then tough tits, you don't get to try again. You yeah. work for the man now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to make your own business, you're going to have to do it all by yourself. Yeah. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, yeah. mate. So I'm sorry, but if you um, lost your business and went bankrupt because of coronavirus. Mm, COVID. Yep. Then okay. sorry, mate. <laughs> you're, you're, you are undeserving of our assistance. Fuck you and your small business. <laughs> yeah. You don't get our services. If you're already self-employed or have a business idea, your local self-employment assistance provider will work with you to assess if your business or business idea is eligible. Mm. So if you have a business idea. You can take it to a third party and they'll be like, your small business is fucking shit. You don't get to pursue this. <laughs> I'm sorry. You just want to be an artist. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're not going to pay you to indulge your hobby. Oh. Oh. Don't, don't want to damage your dreams here. <laughs> sorry, I can't get that out of my mind. I was going to say, did that, that strike a me? nerve? It oh, feels, it did. It oh, my God. Like it struck a nerve. <laughs> I'm triggered. <laughs> 
My favorite thing about Centrelink uh, or Workforce Australia fact sheets is that they always have an example scenario. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of like fifth grade math where yes. they'd be like, you know, Devin has five watermelons and you're like, why? <laughs> yeah. Is this an, an exam question? <laughs> what are we doing? Exam? Sorry. Exam, exam question. Exam. All right, Mr. Frenchman. Exam. <laughs> so their example scenario for this one is Aurelio enjoys embroidery. He's recently started to sell his products through his sister's stall at the local market. What a queen. Legendary. Mm-hmm. He isn't sure if his embroidery is considered a hobby or a business, oh. but wants to earn more money from his work. All right, Aurelio is after my heart right now. Yeah. Like, oh <laughs> we we love Lord. an Aurelio. <laughs> we love an Aurelio. Aurelio registers with his local self-employment assistance provider to get support preparing a business plan. He then carries out that business plan and starts, or continues selling his products through an online platform to reach new markets. I'm sorry. To the people that are doing these fact sheets, is there like only idea of artists, people who sell at markets? Because that's a, <laughs> <laughs> that's an example in a lot of them. Like they oh, yeah. specifically pointed out like people who sell at markets. Are they, yeah. is that like? Yeah. It's, it's either your shit's on a wall in a gallery or it's at a market store uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, there's yeah. no in between. Yeah. I do love that his, uh, his branch out was that he sells shit online, mm. you know, cause I think most people now would do online first, market second. Yeah, you know? exactly. He also decides to access small business coaching through self-employment assistance. Mm. So I that helped a lot. Yeah, I bet that was. I bet he's a multi-millionaire <laughs> now with his embroideries. I want to know what embroidery he was selling. Mm, was he home sweet home? I was going to say, was he doing one of those ones where it looks all like you know cutesy and cottage core, but it says like, please don't do coke in the bathroom. <laughs> Nava's continued push for the abolition of the mutual obligation is going to be a really big step Mm -hmm. because, you know, mutual obligation, as we know, has been born out of like a really archaic sense of abuse of the system that really came about in, you know, like the 1970s. There was like an article that they they put out that was mutual obligations hinder rather than help job seekers find work. It increases your unemployment duration and that means the likelihood of having to meet mutual obligations is higher, but it also reduces the chance of re-employment the longer Mm -hmm. that you're out of work. There is also punitive measures for people who leave work when they're not supposed to. Yeah. If you were going to stop work, it doesn't matter how reasonable your reason for stopping work may be, then, you know, you couldn't claim any kind of benefit for like I think it was like up to 12 months or something after you got your last payment and it's like yeah but rent and food keeps going yeah yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah yeah there there are reasons people leave workplaces that are okay and it's harassment and yeah, yeah. bullying and your own mental health of being mm. within a sector that you are just not interested in. So if you head to Nava's website, the link will be in the description under this episode. They would like to hear your stories about unstable work. And they also have some petitions that you can sign for the abolition of mutual obligation and also for the call to have a more standardized rate for artists. If you're not familiar with Nava already, we highly recommend that you look them up. They do some really great work for artists and creatives across Australia. That is our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening. We will pop all of our links to Nava and their petitions and also all of the links from articles that we read today in the description below this episode. Please follow us on Instagram at Barely Emerging and at Haunted Cow Collective. Thank you. Thanks, guys.
Thank you for listening to this episode. You can find us on our Instagram at Haunted Cow Collective. Look for the spooky cow. This podcast is by emerging creatives, for emerging creatives, and together we are barely emerging. <laughs>